Heavenly Father, Lord, how we long, Lord, tonight to walk that Emmaus trail again, Lord. And Father, be able, Lord, to just talk with you, Lord. If you just slip up beside us, put your arm around our shoulders again, Jesus. Break the bread of life, Lord. Just begin to whisper in our ears, Lord. Oh, Father, help us not to be slow to understand. But Lord Jesus, say you would just begin to impart revelation lord eternal life to the heart of the believer lord father that's where we identify lord we come here tonight on a wednesday thanking you lord for the weekend each of us has had some most of us here locally lord some away lord but we thank you father that you were with us lord thank you for speaking to our hearts lord jesus thank you for bringing us together again Lord, as we endeavor, Father, to keep the unity of the Spirit, we desire, Lord, that you would be pleased, Lord, with our labors, with our efforts, Father, that you would be pleased to come down and dwell in our hearts more each day, Lord. Father, as we sang that little chorus, Lord, that's the cry of our heart. I want more. I'm not satisfied with just a little bit, Lord. Father, you are the satisfying portion, Lord. But, Father, every time I get a little bit more, I just want a little bit more. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that there's something about it just keeps pulling us deeper in love with you. We love you, Lord. We commit the service now to you. In Jesus' name, pray you be with our pastor as well. As he's on his way to Malawi, Lord, I pray you just watch over him. Keep him. Prosper his way, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Isn't God wonderful? Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you, musicians. I hate to break an atmosphere like this with an announcement, but if I don't do it now, I won't do it. So, Brother Ethan, I know you're trying to put a scripture up there. Would you actually put that slideshow up there if that's all right? We'll just announce it this way. Is it working? The, the young people know about it, but if we're going to have a gym night. There it is gym night on Friday night again. Uh, once again, we'll do the Sunday school from 7 till 8 p.m., the youth from 8 till 10. It will be at the St. Francis Xavier 
uh, sports center this time that is just right down there on 163rd Street. Um, you're more than welcome to come if you would like to bring somebody. I would like to say for the Sunday school children, it is for our Sunday school children. Um, if you want to bring somebody that is not a part of our Sunday school, please just let me know. Come talk to me. Um, for the young people, you're also welcome to invite. It's a good time. I do believe it is a good time to get people that wouldn't usually come to church or wouldn't feel comfortable, but they want to, maybe you desire to get them into the atmosphere of other young people. It's a good time to do it. However, I'm going to show you another slide. There is a dress code. This is a youth function that the church puts on. Please, if you're going to invite someone that's not a believer, just let them know there's a minimum dress code. Please have them come dressed accordingly. The boys having long pants, t-shirts with sleeves. The girls having at least a crew neck t-shirt with sleeves and a skirt below the knees with leggings underneath. I think that's fairly common and familiar to believers. But if you want to bring someone that's not, just let them know. So this is a time we can come together and not be worried about those things. We're bombarded by that all day, every day. When we go out in the world, it's nice to be able to just relax and breathe out in the company of believers. And, and if there's someone there that isn't, at least have them dressed appropriately. Is that all right? Thank you, Brother Ethan. You can turn that off. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I want to speak tonight, and I'm going to speak and do more teaching than preaching. Um, so please keep your Bibles available. And I am not a teacher like we had this last weekend, so I'm quite nervous right now. But. Uh, I didn't really think it would come this way, but as I was studying this afternoon and, and just really putting it together, this is, I believe, how the Lord wants to bring it out tonight. And I, we're going to embark on this subject, but I don't think we're going to get through it. We'll just see how far the Lord gets, and I won't hold you too long, and we will uh, continue on with it at another time. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 says, And I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. That doesn't detract from the previous scriptures. There's one God and one Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one that of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith... When he ascended up on high and led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended and is now, now that he has ascended, what is it that but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. May the Lord his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Amen. I read more there than I would and I wanted you to start out with, but that's okay. Let's turn also over to Hebrews chapter 4 with me, if you would. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9. He's starting out scriptures, I believe, are very familiar scriptures to us. And sometimes we need to put things just in order and see how the Lord would lead and We want to be on the Word with everything we're doing, with how we're we're pulling, with how we're desiring, with how we're praying, with how we're seeking the Lord. We we desire to be in line with the Word and to allow His Spirit to come in and anoint the Word in our lives so that we could be used according to His will. He's not going to use us according to His will outside of His Word. The Spirit isn't going to come to anything but the Word. The Spirit comes to the Word, not to anything else. It comes to anoint what He desires to fulfill in your life. He's already written out His will. And what faith is then is the revelation of His will. The will He's written out is very clear. It's the Scripture that we've received, all 66 books of it, that He's written out saying, this is the will of the Father. This is my love letter to you. This is the the end from the beginning. I've shown you all you need to be shown. But... What you need is revelation of what it's talking about for you in your day. And the revelation then, or faith then, in order to walk according to the will of God, faith is a revelation of the will of God. Amen. But now Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9 says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Amen. I'm a little bit loud up here. I think you've still got it set for the weekend. That's all right. Thank you. And I apologize for not putting the belt pack in the charger. You told me that last weekend, and I didn't. I'm sorry. I wanted to publicly apologize for my private mistake. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9 says this. Therefore remaineth therefore a rest of the people of God, and he that is entered into his... He that is entered into his rest, he has also also ceased from his own works. That God, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Now, that seems almost a contradiction there as it begins to lay out. Let us labor to enter into rest. But that's exactly what it lays out. As God did. What did God do? He said in the beginning, right, God created the heavens and the earth. And we know how he created the earth in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. Amen. Whether that was, it took thousands of years or millions and billions of years, it's, it's not important to me in that way. What's important to me is the way the Scripture's written. And the Scripture's written on the sixth day, he, he created man, but on the seventh day, he rested. Amen. That God, after he had worked, he labored so he could enter into his rest. He labored to get it out of the way so that way he could rest and enjoy that labor in which he had labored. But as it says here, let us labor to enter into that rest, the rest that is in Christ Jesus. Because there remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. And it says that for the word of God is quick and powerful. 
It says, let us labor and enter into the rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing, dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him which whom he, we have to do. Amen. The Lord, as we heard on Sunday morning, God is an infinite God. He knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows our hearts. He sees and he understands the things that we're going through. He knows where we're at. Even if we don't understand sometimes where we're at, or maybe we are considering ourselves something we're not, or maybe we are considering ourselves something we are. But what I'll say is God knows where you're at. God knows where you're at in your heart. He knows where you're at spiritually. He understands the battles that you go through in your mind. He knows exactly the things the devil has, has, has thrown at you, and he knows what the devil has coming to you. Because he's the one that allowed the devil to do those things. He's the one that allowed him to put you through those trials for the molding of your character, for the trying of your faith. He did those things and he allowed those things for your perfection. However, what I'm saying in all that is that he knows and he understands what you're going through. He understands where you're at. He understands exactly what's going on. He's not missing any beat. But he's saying we have a part to play. We have to labor to enter into a rest. And as it talked about in Ephesians, as we read it in Ephesians chapter 4, it said that we need to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. Endeavoring something to endeavor is to make an exertion of physical ability. It's an exertion, and labor is the same thing. It's an exertion of physical ability. In other words, to get out of the way. To allow the Spirit to work. As he's talking, he's saying the Word of God knows, and both of them are laboring in the same thing, because as the ministering of the Word goes forth, we believe the Word of God is sharp, and it's, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's quick, and it's powerful, and it divides asunder, and as we preach the Word, those are the things that we desire, but it takes a labor in the minister and in the people to get, them, get themselves aside to allow the Word to work. To allow the word to do that which it set out to do, to do what it had purpose, it takes us to get our flesh out of the way. And that is a labor. It's an endeavoring. It's an exertion of ourselves to force ourselves to say, Lord, it's not me. To put aside my own thoughts. For you to put aside your thoughts. As when we come to church, do we come to church this way? That we're laboring to enter in. Because I'm going to just tell you this right now, and I've done it many a times, and I'm sure all of you have at some point, unless you're a, you're a perfect individual, but we've all come to church at some point and just walked in the door and just sat in the pew and thought, just preach me happy. I'm just tired. I'm worn out. I didn't come and pray. I didn't pray this morning. I just was busy. I had so much on my plate and so much to do, and now I just, just let me have it. Because when it happens, that's humanity. That's the fact that the devil, that God knows the devil did it to us to get us into such a place so we can have feeling for somebody else. So I can stand up here and minister a service like this and still have feeling for you when you come that way. And I do still have feeling for you because I also come that way sometimes where I think, Lord, I don't know what happened. But it seems the day, the hours, the minutes got away on me and now I'm sitting here, Lord, and I feel like I haven't labored at all in the right way. 
I've labored at plumbing, I've labored at home, but I haven't labored to be in the unity of the Spirit. I haven't labored to enter into the rest, but we ought to come that way to church. We ought to be able to do that every day, to labor, to enter into that rest, to lay down the old man, to allow him to die. It's not just something that you wake up in the morning and say, okay, old man, you're dead now because that's time for the new man to live. No, it's a laboring to get down on your knees and to lay down your own thoughts, your own ideas, your own, your own, your own will, and get rid of all those things in order to say, Lord, I desire to walk in the unity of the Spirit and not according to my own way and it takes that labor it's an endeavoring you have to purpose within yourself to do these things this is very simple teaching but I want to say it in this way because it's very important to us as Christians how are we going to overcome on a daily life it is a labor it's work to live in a spiritual realm takes work in a natural realm you have to work to overcome the natural realm in order to enter into the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. It doesn't just happen. We have to labor. We have to endeavor staying out of the way and overcoming this. Uh, myself, the greatest enemy that Andrew has ever faced is Andrew. The greatest enemy that Marshall has ever faced is not Andrew. It's Marshall. Praise God, buddy. Amen. It's not me. We're not fighting each other, in other words. You can look to your brother, your sister, and realize what they did to you that just hurt you and cut you, but that's not your greatest enemy. Because it hurt you, it was probably the devil using them, and that's okay, because the devil probably used you at some time, too. Me, too. Because he's good at that. Putting mud and seeing what sticks and say, just throwing something in your mind. And next thing you know, you say something, you go, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I said something the other day to a young man that drives a motorbike that I went home and I thought, why did I say that? Talked about driving a motorbike, how I didn't think it would be becoming to a preacher. And I went home and went, man, that didn't come across right. So I'm sorry to that, brother. Because sometimes that's the humanity that gets in the way. That we think, I just, this, this is my own personal preference, and then we kind of put it over on other people, and we go, man, that was wrong. Forgive one another. Amen. Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. It takes work. It takes labor. It says, with all lowliness, lowliness, meekness. Meekness, as we've preached before, meekness is your attitude towards others. It's an attitude. How do you interpret the word of God in you towards others? Meekness is not, well, I got great revelation, so I'm above you. No, it's I've got the revelation that I am your servant. That I need to be meek, that I need to be humble, that I need to uh, um, um, make intercession and prayer for you as well. In lowliness and meekness and long-suffering. Forbearing one another in love. In long-suffering. But Brother Andrew, I'm okay with being long-suffering towards myself and my problems. But everybody else, yeah, everybody else, towards one another. Be long-suffering. Forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
So it talks about there's one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But unto everyone is given grace according, as we emphasized this when I first read it, everyone of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Not every gift is the same. So not every measure of grace is the same. Brother Brandon would talk about a gift, and we might read it later. I'm not sure if I'll get to it. Brother Brandon would talk about the gift that he had. And he would talk about, he, he'd talk about it in Moses. He says, you know, a gift like this could send a man to hell. He talked about it in Moses. Do you remember Moses disobeyed the word of God when God said, go and speak to the rock? And he went and struck it a second time, breaking the scriptures. And what happened? He said, you're not going over to the promised land, Moses, because you broke my scripture. There was a punishment for it. A man like Moses was such a great gift, but he had to walk with so much grace and so much uh, ability and keep himself walking worthy of the vocation wherewith he was called. And it wasn't easy for him. That's why Brother Brown says, don't desire a gift like this. Don't desire to, to, to just see all the visions. And it would scare you. It would scare me. I wouldn't want to see what Brother Brown said. When he talks about there's a dark streak from this side to this side. And there's demons calling out to each other. And I see the lights hanging over that person. They got a black shadow. They're shadowed to death. I could be honest with you. I'm not sure I would know how to handle it. It took a lot of molding in Brother Branham. In order to get him to be able to handle it properly. But he would say, that's why I take it so easy. And I'm not always pushing and pushing, but I take it so easy because it's a very serious and very heavy thing. In order to do it right. And don't speak out of turn. He talked about one girl who said, Brother Brown, this is my dream. Tell me the interpretation. He said, I can't just tell you until God shows me the dream and the interpretation. Because if it's just a little thing and I just say it, well, the next time something serious, you won't have confidence in me. It's a serious thing. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Thank the Lord. We're not all called to be preachers. It's not easy. I'm not envious of any preacher. Yet I am a preacher. I thank God for ones that go and they preach great conventions. And they go and they, that's a great calling. To go and minister to 500, 600. Maybe one day I'll do it. I don't know. Pray that, pray that I don't. Okay. I enjoy preaching to you guys. You're really good to preach to but, but if God calls me out, that's fine. But we need to walk worthy of it. That's a whole other level that you realize I'm preaching to people that are going all over the nation. What am I saying? Am I undermining what their pastor's saying? You have to be careful with what you're doing. You have to walk worthy of the vocation. If you're a pastor, you've got a whole other level. Because now he says, there's gifts that I've given you. I'm just laying it in real slow tonight. It's a Wednesday night. Is this okay? No one's falling asleep yet. Praise God. But now we, 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 we have different gifts in the church. There are pastors. And that's a certain level. You gotta, there's a pastor who has to walk worthy of that office. Amen. And he lays out in Timothy what the worthiness of that office is. There's an evangelist, but an evangelist has to walk worthy of that office. He can't just go out and do whatever he wants and say, well, praise God, I'm not a pastor, therefore I don't have to answer the church. No, he has to answer to everyone that he's preaching to. He's got to answer to God because he realizes I have to walk worthy to what I'm preaching. I can't just preach it to you and say, repent or perish, but I'm not walking according to the word. I have to walk worthy of the vocation with I'm called. I can't just take it and be a teacher. I'm not much of a teacher. And then turn around and look at everybody else and say, well, they're not getting it. No, walk worthy. Live what I'm teaching. Understand what I'm teaching. 
We can read about in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes in chapter 12 and verse 8 would say, Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out to set in order many proverbs. Because the preacher was wise. In other words, he studied. He showed himself approved. He made sure he was setting in order the Proverbs. He wasn't making it more confusing. He was making it easier to understand, and he sought it out. He took good heed, and the preacher sought to find out acceptable words that would minister, as the Bible said in another place, grace to the hearer. And it says, in that which was written upright, even words of truth and words of the wise are as goads and as, as nails fastened to the master." Fastened by the masters of assemblies, which were given from one shepherd. The preacher's got one shepherd to go to, the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, what do you have tonight? What do you have to speak in this service? But I want to title tonight, if I could title this, The Spirit of Christ, with a subtitle of Emissions of the Holy Spirit. Emissions of the Holy Spirit. Today we live in a day where emissions have become, I'll say, annoying. <laughs> because it's been talked about we're going to go to a zero emission. And I say annoying because Trudeau has decided he wants to put zero emission vehicles everywhere by a certain date. And well, we'll see how that goes. That's not for me to preach on. That's fine. Those aren't words of truth. <laughs> Those are just words. But, but, but they want to try and bring it down to a zero emission. But I want to talk about a different emission tonight, and that's emissions of the Holy Spirit. In other words, things that come out. An emission really, by definition, is the act of sending out as to emit light from the sun. The sun is the sun, but it, light doesn't just happen to be here as much as God created light. But light that comes from the sun is something that he's emitted out from the sun. And it also emits heat. It emits radiation. All of these things are emitted out from the sun, but it's not as much as it's contained in the sun, it can't just self-contain it. It, it. it emits or it throws out. And also you talk about emission of, of, of heat or or smoke, or flame from a fire, or heat from a fire, I guess would be the best way to say it, or emission of odors from plants, a plant that has an odor to it, it doesn't, it can't keep that in. Doesn't matter how much you say, plant, you stink, please stop smelling like that. It doesn't matter how much you tell it to, it can't help it. It just emits it. It just throws it out there. It doesn't know any different. It's because it's a plant is the reason that it, it, it smells like that. It's the reason that it, the reason why a rose smells like a rose is because it's a rose. It just emits that smell. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. And either way you like it, it can't help it. It's not trying to offend you if you don't like it. It's just being a rose. So is it with the Holy Ghost? There's emissions of the Holy Spirit when you are filled as there's one Father in all and, and in you all. You can't help but be what you are. You can't help but emit what the Holy Spirit desires to emit out if you're willing to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. He desires to have a purpose in your life, but it's up to us in order to endeavor or to labor to get ourselves out of the way to allow him to emit what he desires to emit from our lives. 
Amen. There's certain things the Holy Spirit is very, very good at admitting, and one of them is love. There's the fruits of the Spirit, right? It starts out love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, patience, faith. I'm getting missing one or two. Long-suffering. Against such there is no law. Because you can't help it. If it's the Holy Ghost in you, there's, it's bubbling over. It's something that starts bubbling out. We say, well, then, Brother Andrew, how come my kids can't? I just can't. you got to get yourself out of the way. To allow it to bubble out. It wants to. You ever felt like fire in your bones? You ever felt like you just wanted to say something, but something else was just stopping you? Like something on the inside was just bubbling over, but something on up here was pushing it back down? You ever trying to just take maybe a, a bottle of Coca-Cola, one of those glass ones, you just put your thumb over the top and shake it up real good, and then just try and hold your thumb there forever? You just release it just a little bit, it starts spraying out. You put a little Mento in there, in the Pepsi bottle, you can't help it. You try and put your hand over it, and it starts spraying out in a different direction. It starts coming on this direction and up this direction. Why? Because there's something in it. That's coming out and you're creating a, a friction and a force and when eventually something's going to blow the top if you keep trying to push it down and push it down and push it down. And that's what happens when you've got the Holy Ghost on the inside sealing you to the day of redemption but you keep fighting it in your mind. You keep trying to push it down and push it down and push it down and push it down. Eventually something's going to give way. Something's going to have to blow up. Hallelujah. That's why it's not offensive to me when I see someone come to church and they're not constantly shouting and screaming. Because I pray that that individual has a good outlet all the time. But when someone comes to church and they just, just buzz and blow up, it makes me question and go, was that being pushed down for a long time? And finally, finally, we pulled the cork out. It's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. What I'm saying is you need to endeavor. You need to labor to enter into that rest. Are you at rest on the inside? Where you recognize I'm not, I'm no longer just, oh, I just can't, I just can't. And then finally you come to church and like, oh, finally. But is it rather, Lord, it's a constant bubbling over. A constant prayer, a constant communion. Do the channels keep getting clogged up? Why would the channels keep getting clogged up? Because you're feeding on the wrong things. There's nothing wrong with someone coming to church and yelling and screaming. I love it. I like it a lot, quite honestly. When someone comes and, and they're yelling constantly and they're always in church and pulling loudly and saying amen and dancing and shouting and maybe they speak in tongues or maybe they shout or they prophesy or something. That's wonderful. I think that's glorious and that's good. And the more the Spirit of God gets in you, the more that should happen. But when I see you on Monday, I hope you're doing the same thing. Because are you laboring to keep the unity of the peace? Are you laboring to enter into that rest? Or is it just a cork on the bottle that all of a sudden when you finally get in the presence of God, it pops off. And then it comes back down again And Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. You're just, oh, you're feeding on everything but the word of God. Hardly having a prayer life. Not entering and not breaking through. And finally Wednesday comes and boom, there it goes again. I don't know why. I'm off my notes at this point. But I'm trying to get a point across. Are we laboring? Are we laboring to enter into that rest? 
Some of us work a labor-intensive job. Mine's not so labor-intensive anymore. Some days it is, some days it isn't. Brothers like Brother Ray work a lot more labor-intensive job. He's doing it building the pews. It's very labor-intensive. He was showing me how he's building the pews, and I'm going, man, I'm so thankful it's you, Brother Ray. God bless your heart. <laughs> but it's something that it's not just, if he just showed up two hours of the week and labored on the pews, brothers, we would be waiting a long time to get new pews. But it's a daily he gets up on Monday and he's laboring and he's Tuesday's laboring and Wednesday's laboring and Thursday's laboring. Why? So that you could be blessed. For you. If he was doing it for himself, he'd just bring a bigger cushion to church. Sorry, Brother Ray. I hope this is all right. But he's not doing it because I'm using it for an example because the gifts of God, the gifts of God are not for your, the individual. It's for everybody else. The gift that God has put in you, and every one of you have a gift of some measure, a gift of God that's in you is not for your own edification. It's for the edification of the church. It's for the body. It's for those that are beside you. It's for those that are around you. It's for those that are ministering in the pulpit. It's for those that you meet every day. It's for those outside of this body. Hallelujah. Go with me to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We read a number of scriptures here. Amen. How are we doing? Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that, you were gen- that, that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God, no man speaketh by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. Amen. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Amen. People can say it with their mouth, but to say it from their heart, to understand what they're saying, to to know what it is that Jesus is Lord. No man can do that, but by the Holy Ghost. Because then you have an understanding, a revelation of exactly who Jesus Christ is. Amen. It says, and now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. I find it interesting if you look over at Ephesians chapter 4 where we're reading about gifts and callings that are without repentance. It starts out with saying there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father. Now when it goes into spirit, gifts of the Spirit, it begins to talk about there's one Spirit. Diversity of gifts, but one Spirit. Paul always brings, brings that, 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 extinction, that distinction in when he talks about gifts. When he's talking about gifts, he always brings this, but listen, it's by one. You can't have two. You can't have this spirit and that spirit operating the church. It's got to be the right spirit operating the gifts or something's going to go wrong. 
Amen. And these, these gifts that are talked about in, 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 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they are gifts of the Spirit that are operated correctly by the Spirit, but they can also be impersonated and used incorrectly and for destruction by evil spirits. As Brother Branham would even talk about, he's seen devils speak in tongues and interpret, drink from a human skull, do all these things. Why? Because they're able to be impersonated, but he says, but there's one Spirit that operates them correctly. There's a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. He says, and there are differences of administrations, oh my, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations. (laughs) He lays it all in there. Listen, there's churches that are going to operate different, but there's one spirit. There's one Lord. There's pastors that are going to operate different. There's difference of administrations, but it's one spirit. If one church does it this way, that doesn't mean this other church has got to do it the same way. There's a difference, but it's under one spirit. Amen. It's got to be the Holy Spirit working in all and through all. And he says in the next, in the next verse, there are diversity of operations, but in the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. These gifts are not given for your profit. They're given to profit everybody. They're given so that it would be a benefit to the entirety of the body. And in, 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 in God Keeps His Word, 1957, Brother Branham says, you see this day, if we could just take a step back, I'm going to take a bit, there's going to be a bit of a corner, but stay with me. He says, you see, this is the day of preaching. This is the day we got to move in and get sinners and pull them out. He says, that's what the preaching of the Word is for, is to sinners to bring them out. Now we have to watch in there. We see signs and wonders are done in the laying on of hands and so forth because it's preaching. Now let me ask you, is all preaching just to bring sinners out? No. I feel a little bit like Brother uh, brother Paul Dirksen when he asked the question that the answer is obvious but nobody wants to say it. (laughs) All, All preaching is not about bringing sinners out but he's talking about that's what preaching is. When you have someone come down, they're just preaching and laboring in the word and preaching that signs and wonders would follow. He's talking about you're there because it brings the sinner under conviction and it calls the sinner to repentance and it brings sinners out. But we heard about it in Ephesians chapter 4 where it says, what was the point of these gifts that were given? It was for the perfecting of the saints and for the edification of the body. So there's more of a use than just bringing sinners up to repentance. Otherwise, we should just come and get born again and go out and go fishing all the days of our lives because if that's all preaching was, then what's the point? But that's not the whole point. There's a a gift that's given and there's some gifts that that's the grace that they're allotted is to preach and call sinners to repentance and there's other gifts that take the body to perfection. Amen. And I know, we all have favorites. We all like the preaching. We all like the the evangelist. We like the prayer line. We like the... We enjoy that. 
Okay, all right. It's our humanity. In North America, I'm just going to talk honestly, we like theatrics. You know why we like theatrics? Because we're raised in an age when Hollywood is so prevalent. We're used to it. Brother Branham would even talk about it, and he would even talk about it and say, listen, if these signs that were done to you are done overseas, you have the third person in South Africa come up and get prayed for and have a vision about everything that's going on, and he says, all you hear is clutch, crutches rattling and people just saying, Brother Branham, you just tell me what to do, and I'll throw these crutches down, and we'll go walking out of here. And people just being healed left, right, and center, giving their heart to God. So many, 25,000, I think one time he said, estimated healed at one time. And so many more, over 100,000, I can't remember the exact number, about how many were saved at one time. They just threw down their idols. Why? Because they seen one sign. But you listen to how many messages were recorded in North America. 1,100 about in North America. That they come up. Sign after 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 sign. And we're just loving the theatrics. This is amazing, isn't it? Praise God, it's wonderful. Yeah, but that's not the point. The point was to raise your faith, to get you to accept it yourself, seated in your own seat, and understanding that faith comes by hearing of the word of God. Not by seeing theatrics, not by having the theatrical preacher that comes out and could do all kinds of wonderful things. Praise God for that. We love it. I'm not going to say it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. However, there's differences of gifts. One gift brings you to that place where it brings you to repentance and brings you to seeing the power of God. The next gift lays in the Word and begins to teach to you the deeper mysteries of God that the other gift can't do. And this gift can't do that. And that's okay. That's That's living by the grace that they're allotted to the gift that they've been given. Hallelujah. Preaching will bring you to Christ, but preaching alone will not perfect you. It takes a fivefold ministry. It takes the prophet. I said it in Cloverdale, and I'll say it here. I said it's wonderful to go and press play. It's wonderful to press play. Go listen to that tape. I'm telling you right now, I'm all for it. I love the press play. Press play and listen to the tapes. But when you're done listening to it, come and hear what the preacher says about it. Because that's the reality of it. You need the prophet, and you need the pastor, and you need the teacher. This is what God laid on my heart tonight, so I hope it's okay to you just laying these things in here. Jesus went about preaching because that was the spirit that was on him. In Isaiah 61, it says, The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings. Amen. And we know what the message that he preached. Matthew chapter 4 says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent. What was he talking about? That's what preaching's for. To bring the sinner to repentance. When he sent the 70 out, in Matthew, in, in, in Matthew chapter 10, he sent the 70 out, saying, Go and preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The same message he was preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying, go and preach the same message. Go preach what, I, what I've told you because that's what preaching is for. But the same Jesus that preached that is the same Jesus that sat and taught. Recorded 21 times, 21 different times in the Gospels that he taught the people. 
He went to the synagogues and he taught them. And he gathered them together and he taught them. And the multitudes came unto him and he taught them. He was a teacher. Teacher of teachers. Prophet of prophets. Preacher of preachers. Because all the, God, the, all the, the fullness of the God had dwelled bodily in him. All five of the gifts of the ministry were all right there present in Jesus Christ. Not William Branham. Jesus Christ. There was times he preached, there was times he taught, but the same Jesus that met Paul on the road to Damascus began to teach him about Ephesians chapter 4 as we read it. But he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for me. I'm getting off my notes and back on my notes, so I'm trying to just figure out where I am here. For the perfecting of saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. Here we go. It says in Matthew 28 and verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And we know that some will say the correct translation of that is, Go make disciples of them. So what was Jesus doing when he made disciples? He taught them to bring them to a place where they could receive the Holy Ghost. And when they received the Holy Ghost, what did the Holy Ghost do? It taught them how to understand the Word of God so that they could go with that Word that was in them and bubbling out of them and preach it. And sometimes they preached it with power. Sometimes they taught it. They would sit down and teach them. When Paul came to the ones that were baptized under John, under John's ministry, he came to them and said, by what were you baptized? Could you imagine the way he came to them? He didn't come down to them and say, let's say it the Lord, I'll tell you, to what were you baptized? Tell me today, to what were you baptized? No. He was teaching them. He was talking with them. It wasn't great, powerful, jump up and down preaching. He did a lot of that. But he taught sometimes so late into the night that a man fell asleep on the windowsill and fell to his own death. And the anointing of God was so great, he went down and laid his body on it, and the man rose again. Wow. But that wasn't a jump up and down service. But there was some services that were jump up and down services. There was some. When Peter got up on the day of Pentecost... He didn't sit down and say, well, listen, brothers. We're going to talk, talk to you and open your Bibles to Joel chapter 2, if you would. It says the Spirit of God we poured out, and this is that. No, something began to strike and bubble over in his heart. He said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters would prophesy. Your old man would see that all these things would happen. Oh, how wonderful it is. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was a powerful preaching service, and God was using every bit of it for the perfecting of the body of Jesus Christ. No one was greater than the other. Peter wasn't greater than Paul. Peter walked with Jesus in the flesh. Paul walked with Jesus in the flesh. 
Did he really? Yeah. Right here. You walk with Jesus in the flesh if you're born again. Just not his flesh, your flesh. Hallelujah. Don't worry about if I was a disciple. Let the disciples be the disciples. You go and be taught how to be a disciple. How to walk with him. How to talk with him. How to live with him. How to be like him. Lord, what should I do? How do I do it? Why? Commune with him. Let him be in your heart and be able to commune. You're not communing with some God way out there. You're communing with him right here in your soul. That he would begin to bubble over and you could get yourself aside. Lord, you live through me. You teach me how to be a real Christian. Hallelujah. The word of God is always right on time. It comes in the way the Lord wants you to have it. But it will always manifest through the gift that's in the individual. It's not going to manifest the same through me as it would through Brother Max. Brother Max would have a hard time standing here and preaching like I'm preaching right now. And I still haven't figured out how to hop around on one foot. Back and forth. My daughter says, i got to get some joy shoes like Brother Max. Maybe one day I'll get some. God bless you. But it's a diversity of gifts. But the word comes through him in a different way that reaches to you you in a different way than it comes through me. For all of us, Brother Brown would say, Greater Solomon here, all of us know that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now we know that Christ Jesus, the fullness of the God, had dwelt bodily in him. But to us, we have the spirit by measure Given to each one to profit with all. Getting back to the scripture now. To profit with all. In Christ, he had all of it in himself. He could edify himself. (laughs) He could walk through the world being the only one with the Holy Ghost. After John was cut his head off, he was it. Nobody else had the Holy Ghost. It was just him. And how, how many days did he walk with John in his ministry? As far as my Bible records, there was one day that they were together when he came to him and was baptized by him. And maybe I'm forgetting about a second one, but at the most, two days. And he's there, and that's it. Other than that, he's followed around by 12 guys. One of them's a devil. And at times, he's followed around by multitudes. Not one of them is born again. And at times he's followed around by 70 plus 12. The Bible records them as another 70. So he's got, what, 82? One of them's the devil. Multitudes, one of them for sure is the devil that we know of. And then one that just wouldn't get delivered. His name's Judas. Sat with him. Dipped a sop and a sup with him. And yet still he'd look at that one right in the eyes. Say, go preach. Tell them, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because he edified himself. He was the fullness of the Godhead. But he didn't give. Which one of you are the fullness of the Godhead? No. But which one of you have a portion? 
but you need to edify each other. The body needs to edify itself in love. When it was his corporal body, it edified itself. Why did Jesus pray so much? He had to stay in touch with himself. We need to pray to stay in touch with the part in us that can edify the others. My flesh probably doesn't edify anybody else. Some of you are going, man, I wish Brother Andrew was less like Brother Tim. I wish they did different hand signals sometimes and they'd put their hands differently and they would use different words and not raise their eyebrows the same. But we do that. I can't help it. But my flesh doesn't edify you, but the Spirit of Christ is what does the edification. It's the Spirit of Christ in you, Brother Dan, that does, brother, brother Ben, that does the edification. It's the Spirit of Christ in Brother Greg that does the edification. It's not the flesh. It's the Spirit of Christ that edifies the body, edifies itself in love. So we need to pray to stay in touch. We need to endeavor, labor to enter into the rest so that we can endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Simple message tonight. I'm trying to come to a close now. It's for the profiting of all. Let's, let's close with 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1 if you put it up there. A gift is not your own. Paul labors with the Corinthians in a diversity of gifts, and we could have read all of chapter 12, and we'll come back to it in another service, I'm sure, because... This has just been on my heart for a long time, and I've really been waiting and waiting on the Lord for the right time to bring it out. And we can start with a bit of a simpler subject tonight because, well, the weekend was very good and very deep, and I believe it fed your hungry souls. But now we can just move into this and slowly work our way into it. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1 says, follow after charity. We know what 1 Corinthians 13 said, and we're going to get to that too. But it says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. But rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Understand what he's saying? He's saying... The man that speaks in tongues, he's speaking mysteries. In the spirit, he's saying something that to God makes sense. But to us does not. Jesus spoke in tongues on the cross. Eli, Eli, uh, Sabachthani, and I can't remember the last word. But he, but he spoke in tongues on the cross, and they said, he calls for Elias. They didn't understand what he was saying when what he was interpreted saying was, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But they understood it. They went speaking in tongues. He's calling for Elijah. Because that doesn't understand. It doesn't edify man. It says, but he that prophesies speaketh unto, speaketh unto man to edification and exhortation and comfort. Now, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts that are in the body are for the edification of the body. We read it in 1 Corinthians where it's for the profit of all. We read it in Ephesians chapter 4 where it's for the perfecting of the saints, for the edification of the body. And now he says, he that prophesies. So he's going deeper into the spiritual gifts where we could read about what the spiritual gifts were. But you can read that when you get home. But it says, but the spiritual gifts now, he says, he that prophesies speaking on a man unto edification and exhortation and comfort. 
But he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. He that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues. Praise God. I'll reiterate that. I would that you all spake with tongues. But rather that you prophesied. And I'll reiterate that. But rather that you prophesied. I would that you all spake with tongues. But I would rather that you all prophesied. He says, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret. He says that the church may receive edifying. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you, except I shall speak unto you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? Now, maybe we should try something new. I'll talk to Brother Ed about it, maybe. We should have a brother come in and preach a weekend of meetings. We'll have four, five, six meetings, and he's just going to speak in tongues for an hour every time. How would you all like that? I'm going to be honest with you, you'd be pretty bored. Because you wouldn't have a clue what he's saying. But Paul's saying, if I came to you and just spoke in tongues all the time, it wouldn't do you any good. Unless someone was to interpret it. But he says, but it would be so much more. Because Paul knew our humanity. He knew that, listen, we don't have time for someone to get up here and speak in tongues for an hour and then someone to interpret for an hour. We'd all be pretty tired. We got that. How many has been on the mission field? I've been on the mission field. That's the way it is. You preach for two hours on the mission field. Do you know why? Because I preached for 45 minutes. But he interpreted. I spoke, he interpreted. I spoke, he interpreted. I spoke, he interpreted. I spoke, he interpreted. Back and forth and back and forth. And it's exhausting. And it's tiring. And the people got to sit there through all of it waiting to hear and understand what's being said. And it takes time. You imagine if we all did that, someone would come up and just speak in tongues and then someone interpret. Speak in tongues and interpret. It would be exhausting. But he says it profiteth us so much more. That's why he says the preacher was a wise preacher when he sought the Lord on his own. He sought the Lord so that he could put together Proverbs. So he could rightly divide the word. So he could bring to you a revelation, a doctrine, an understanding so that you could understand it, be within your uh, 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 attention span and be able to catch something and go out of here and be edified, be exhorted, and be encouraged. And with that, let's stand to our feet. So that you could go out if you're edified, exhorted, and I'm not going over my time frame. We go on much more. I'm not even hardly touching my notes tonight. But The Lord's just laid this on my heart to really deal a little bit in the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts that are in the body. How do they operate? What's the correct operation of them? Because there's, there's something that's gone on in the, in the message that we want to be careful we're walking according to the Word of God. Not overstep our boundaries. He actually says, and, and we could go on in the scripture, we, we ought not to covet speaking in tongues. He says, don't, don't put it down. It's good. But don't covet it. Covet to prophesy. Desire to prophesy. But don't desire to speak in tongues. There's a right way of doing it. We've done it before. Sunday mornings we've come together, some brothers and a sister and come together in the back room and just prayed and said, Lord, if you desire to speak anything to us, we're here for you. 
If that's on your heart, you, you can contact me and say, I'd, I'd like to get together like that, Brother Andrew, and we'll let you know when, when we're doing it, to be able to get together and pray Sunday morning before a service just to get ourselves aside sometimes because that's the way Brother Branham lays it out in church order. So you want interpretation, tongues interpretation? Do it in a separate room. Do it by two or three witnesses. Be, have it read before the church. So we desire those things. But we want to do it according to the word of God. We want to see him use the gifts in operation. Amen. And according to the grace that he's lauded out to each gift. Amen. Amen. Lord, you reign and rule. Reign and rule over me. Lord, you reign and rule. You reign and rule over me. that you desire. Speak with my hands. Speak with my lips. Amen. Have the preeminence that you desire in our
love the Lord? Amen. Amen. It's good to have you back, Brother Max. Why don't you come up and close in prayer? Just come on up, brother. Love you, buddy. God bless you. Bless you. Man, let us bow. Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you this evening, Lord God. Thank you once again, Lord, and in your own gentle way, Lord, to knowing that you've spoken to us, O oh God. Father, truly, Lord, we believe and we can say that we came here, O oh Lord God, and we're walking out of this place not the same way we came in, Lord. Father, from the worship of Lord to the preaching of the word, Lord, surely we felt that you were here, O oh God, and once again you've not disappointed, but Lord, once again you showed up with your appointment, O oh Lord God, and you've instructed us this evening, Lord God, and we thank you for it, O oh God. And Father, we desire, O oh Lord, to walk according to the Spirit of oh Lord Jesus. We desire, as we sang the song, that you have the preeminence in us, O oh God. We desire, Heavenly Father, we may be able to get ourselves out of the way, O oh God, that you can use us, O oh Lord. That what you placed on the inside of us, O oh Lord, it can be expressed according to your own will and purpose, O oh God. So, Father, tonight, as we walk out of this place, Lord, we just want to surrender ourselves to you once again, Lord. We just want to rededicate ourselves to the Lord and lay ourselves down with the Lord and say, Father, have your way in us, O God. Lead us, O Lord, as we go. Keep our minds, O Lord, stayed on you, O Lord. Keep our hearts, O Lord, our meditation, Lord. Our words, O Lord, all that we do, let it be pleasing unto you, O Father, Lord God. Father, we just ask tonight, O Lord, may you bless Brother Andrew, O Lord. Can you anoint him, O God, Lord? And may you lead him, O Lord, use the gift that you place in his life, O God, in a greater way and more and more, O Lord. The Lord, Father, had to find your bride, O Lord God, in the way you desire it to be, O Lord. And pray you continue to be your brother, Ed, O Lord God, and anoint him, O God, Lord. Father, we pray you strengthen him, O Lord God. Going to use him there, O Lord God, for your purpose and glory, Lord. And Father, we look forward to seeing him again, O Lord God. May you bless him and his family, Lord God. Be with them, O Lord Jesus. We come at all times to you tonight, O God. We just want to say we love you, O God. And we pray you be with us, O Lord. We ask all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Amen. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and you'll be dismissed. The name of the Lord is a strong tower.
Amen. God bless you. Shake hands with one another as you go. Wish them God's blessings. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you.